Now, on to today's final message in our Twisted Theology series that we've been in over the past five weeks. And in this series, if you're new with us, we've been exploring ways that we tend to twist God's truth into meaning something that God never intended. And that happens all the time. We do it in all kinds of contexts. We do it accidentally. We do it innocently. Sometimes we misinterpret what God says in scripture. Sometimes we take God's word out of context and we don't understand what God is really saying in the context of that, or we don't compare it with other spots in scripture where God has spoken. Sometimes we insert our opinions into the place where God has spoken on a subject, and that ends up misguiding us and misguiding other people in their lives as well. So in this series, we're trying to untwist some of our twisted theology. In week one, if you were with us, we talked about the twisted theology of tolerance. And we learned that right now, our world is pushing tolerance as the solution for all of our conflict. And we found in that message that God hasn't asked us to tolerate anybody. He's asked us to love everybody because love is much harder and love actually leads to life. Tolerance leads to death. And then in week two, we looked at the twisted theology of judging people. And most of us, Christians and non-Christians alike, understand there is a Bible in the verse. We may not know where that, that verse is, but we know there's a Bible verse that says that we're not supposed to judge anyone. And so we conclude we have no right to speak into anybody's lives and nobody has a right to speak into our lives, but that's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about not judging hypocritically. So he says, if you're going to speak into someone else's life, which we have a Christian responsibility to do for other Christ followers, we first have to pull what out of our eye? A log or a plank. Yeah, glad you were paying attention for that one. So we've got to pull a log out of our eye if we're going to deal with a speck in somebody else's life. So we have to do that in a non-hypocritical, non-judgmental way as we speak truth to each other. And then week three, we looked at the twisted theology that some people think that in order to get to heaven, all we have to do is be baptized or all we have to do is be good people. And we found in that message that neither of those things are true. That the only way we gain eternal life is through a personal relationship with Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Now, is, is it a bad thing to be baptized? Absolutely not. We should do that as we follow up our decision to follow Jesus. Is it a bad thing to be a good person? Absolutely not. But we don't do that trying to earn something from God. We do that to live in response to what God has already done for us. And then last week, we looked at the twisted theology around the, the idea that some people think that God's primary purpose in life is to make us comfortable and to make us happy. And we found in last week's message that God cares more about our character than our comfort and more about our holiness than our happiness. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to be happy. It doesn't mean that. It means that God understands that ha- true happiness comes from holiness and how we live our lives as we are learning to grow in our relationship with him. So that's been a snapshot of our series so far. And today we're going to talk about one more way that we tend to twist God's truth into meaning something it doesn't mean. And this is something, the subject we're going to talk about today is something that all of us are involved in at some level today. All of us are engaged in this at some level. Maybe good, maybe bad, but all of us are doing the thing that we're going to be talking about. And we're going to learn how to do that in an effective way. Now, 
just like I said last week, today's message is primarily for Christ followers. So if you are not a Christ follower, if you're here on campus or you're joining us online and you're not a Christ follower, I'm so glad you're here because today you can learn how Christ followers should engage some of the hot topics in our culture today, how, how we should behave. And you can help those of us who aren't living that way, you can help give us a little course correction here or there. But if you are a Christ follower, I have one more disclaimer to give you. And if you've been uh, with us throughout this series, you know I've given a lot of disclaimers. Like each week, before every message, I've given a disclaimer. So here's uh, what those disclaimers have sounded like. In week one, I told you that God was gonna stretch us. In week two, I warned you that God was gonna correct us. In week three, I said God was gonna step on our toes. In week four, I said God was gonna make us uncomfortable. And hasn't this just been such a great series to, to be a part of at the beginning of the summer, you know, when we're all ready to wear shorts and go to the beach? So today's message is going to be even more exciting because not only is God going to stretch us and correct us and step on our toes and make us feel uncomfortable, but God is going to challenge us, but ultimately God is going to equip us and how to engage our world. So let's pray before we dive in and then we'll dive into today's topic. So God, we ask that you would guide us today as we navigate the complexities of the subject that we're gonna deal with. Lord, help us to understand your truth and learn how to live out that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, today we are going to address the twisted theology around how Christ followers are responding as our nation seems to be falling apart. Anybody notice that things aren't going so well in America right now? Anybody else other than me notice that? Okay, so about half of you have noticed that. The other half, turn on your TV. Just turn on the news just for about three seconds and you'll notice things aren't going so well in the world. And political division is at an all-time high. Ethnic division is getting worse. Gender issues are getting more complicated. International conflict is getting more heated. Hatred between people groups is getting more visible. Job security and economic instability seems to be getting worse. Almost everywhere we turn, things are getting worse. And Christ followers and our response to our world as these things are happening is getting worse. So right now, there are Christ followers who think that God wants us to attack our world. So as our world seems to be spiraling out of control, they think that the best strategy is to draw their sword, their righteous sword, and to charge into hot topics, slashing the, those subjects with, with God's truth or their interpretation of God's truth, hoping that those people will repent and turn to God because they've been attacked. There are other Christians on the other side of the spectrum that aren't quite sure what to do with the hot topics of today. They don't want to offend anyone, so they tiptoe around God's truth in relationship to some of the hot topics that are going on in our culture, and ultimately they end up avoiding God's truth, hoping that people will find truth on their own. But both of those strategies, attacking and condoning, come from a twisted understanding of God's truth and God's word. God has not asked us to attack our world. God has not asked us to condone our world. He's asking us to engage our world. And so today, I wanna to explore four ways that we can do that as Christ followers. And so if you're a note taker, 
Today would be a great day to take notes. If you've got a phone, you can pull your phone out, take pictures of the slides. Um, however you take notes, old-fashioned paper pen or you know, using your smart device, however you take notes, I think today would be a great day to take notes to capture some of this uh, truth that we're going to look at. So number one, the first way for us to engage our world, instead of attacking it, instead of condoning it, the first way for us to engage our world is to remember this world is not our home. If you're a Christ follower, this world is just your temporary residence. And Jesus made that clear to his closest disciples in John chapter 15. In verse 19, he said this. He said, you are no longer part of the world. He said, I, I chose you to come out of the world. And, and that concept that Jesus is talking about there is that holiness concept that we talked about last week. But in addition to that, it's this idea that Jesus says, remember, this world is not your home anymore. And then the apostle Paul expounds on that in Colossians chapter three. In verse one, he says this. He says, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So Paul says, listen, everybody, heaven is real. It's not just some make-believe thing. It's just not some made-up place that, that, that God you know, put in scripture so that hopefully everybody would behave. It's a real place. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. In verse two, he says, think about things of heaven, not things of the earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So Paul tells us, listen, earth is not your home. Heaven is, and if you're a Christ follower, you need to focus your attention on heaven Spend more time thinking about heaven and eternity than thinking about your day-to-day -day here. I know that's challenging, but I, I want you to think about it in this context, okay? So for me and my family, um, specifically the family that I grew up in, when I was very young, my mom and dad made a life-changing decision that radically changed uh, our lives. So my brother's life, my sister's life, my life, my parents' lives as well. So my dad had a great career. We were living in Pennsylvania at the time, and my dad had a great career, and they went to church one, one Sunday, and they heard a missionary come and speak. That missionary came and told how uh, they were involved in reaching remote tribal groups around the world for the cause of Christ. And, and that specific mission organization worked with groups like this. So you see this tribal group from Papua New Guinea, they live in a very remote part of that country, a very primitive tribal part of that country. And my parents felt called by God to quit their jobs, sell all their belongings, and go move to a part of the world to minister to a group of people like that. And the mission organization that they chose uh, back in the 50s had five missionaries speared to death who were trying to reach an unreached people group. Anybody want to sign up? for that today. So I'm not sure what God was doing in my parents' hearts, but my parents said, we're in. Like, we want to do that. And so we were in uh, for that as a family. 
Now, I want you to imagine if you were in that spot. So imagine we had a missionary here today talking about that and how you could reach people around the world for Jesus and and you were gonna go into a remote tribal part of the world. Imagine selling all of your belongings, selling your home, moving to a new country, learning a new language, and then moving out into remote part of the jungle of that country with the primary purpose of leading people to Jesus. So imagine doing that. And you're thinking, if I'm I'm doing that, God better be clear. God better be crystal clear of what he's asking me to do. So imagine doing that, and then imagine forgetting why you moved there. Imagine getting so immersed in that culture. Imagine getting so immersed in their traditions and, and the customs that they have that you forget why you're there. And uh, if somebody else were to come along and say, hey, what are you doing here? Just living life, just in the culture, just you know, trying, to, trying to build a bigger hut, just trying to acquire a, a, a bigger boat or, or more fishing gear for, for catching fish in the river. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Most of us could not imagine something like that, but that's what many of us do as Christ followers on a regular basis, when we forget the mission that God has for us and why we are here. So number one, we have to remember this is not our home. Number two, we have to remember our mission. Okay, remember this is not our home. Number two, remember our mission. Before heading back to heaven, Jesus gathered his disciples together and he told them in Matthew 28, verse 18, he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and immerse yourself in your culture. Chase your dreams. Drink lots of Starbucks coffee. Worry about the stock market. See how many people you can get to follow you on social media. Jesus didn't say that. Really? Really. (laughs) So Jesus said this in verse 9. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So God has given us a clear mission, and that is to lead people to Jesus. That is the greatest thing that we can do with our lives, to lead somebody in our lives to Jesus or tell them about Jesus, how they can make that decision for themselves. The greatest thing that we could ever do is that. That's why it's called the Great Commission or the Great Mission. But I wonder, have you forgotten your mission? If you're a Christ follower, have you forgotten the mission that God has called you to? Uh, About 25 years ago or so, I'd forgotten the mission that God had called me to. And at the time, I got involved in a network marketing business. Anybody else ever been involved in a network marketing business? Uh, Two of us? Okay. So for all the others of us, look at the potential we have here. There's so many people that don't know about network marketing. Like We could really get all these people involved in our business. So it was a business that uh, I thought would make me rich, make my wife and I rich. We could retire young. We could live on some remote island somewhere. And uh, I was so excited about that. And uh, I didn't realize how uh, engaging that business began to change how I saw people. When I started seeing people, uh, I started seeing little dollar signs over their head because each person represented somebody else who could help me get rich. 
And if they said no, that's okay. They have a network of people that I could tap into. And if I tapped into that network, I might be able to find somebody else. And then uh, and that network has a network and that network has a network. Every person has a network. Everybody's got a circle of friends or, or family or influence. There's all kinds of people. And in a group this size, wow, look at all the potential. If I just cast the vision for our business with you and you bought in, guess what? You could be rich too. And so that became my, my focus. And when I saw people, I saw dollar signs over their head. God got my attention in an interesting way when we lost a lot of money. It was a lot of money for my wife and I. We invested to get into this business together. And when we lost a lot of money, God said, hey, um, your vision's a little bit blurry. You're seeing things incorrectly. Uh, you're, you're not seeing people the way I see them. Uh, you're using people. I don't want you to use people. I want you to lead them to Jesus. So prior to that, my purpose was to connect with people so they could make me rich. Now, would I say that? Would I put that on a T-shirt? No, 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 no. My purpose at the time was to connect with people so they could get rich, and I would get rich too. And then after God got my attention, my purpose became to connect with people so I can connect them with Jesus. And so I've been working on that for the past 25 years. And I am not saying that you can't be in sales and you can't be in a network marketing business without using people. I'm not saying that. Uh, there are some great salespeople today that know how to leverage that very well. At the time for me, I didn't. I didn't know how to leverage that very well. So for us to engage our world and not attack it, not condone it, we have to remember this is not our home. And we have to remember our mission, remember what God has called us to, what we're supposed to be doing. Then number three, we need to be peacemakers and not pot stirrers. And I really need you to listen to this part of the service, not that you weren't listening already, but like this could be a part of the service where you mishear what I say. And so please pay really close attention to this. In what is called the Sermon on the Mount, which is the longest sermon we have recorded of Jesus in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus makes a powerful statement, I think, for a lot of the cultural issues that we are dealing with today. He says in verse nine, he says, God blesses those who work for peace. God blesses those who work for peace. God blesses people who step into conflict to bring peace doesn't say God blesses people who avoid conflict. doesn't say God blesses people who create conflict. God blesses people who step into conflict to end it, to bring unity, to bring peace in the midst of, of that chaos in that moment. God blesses those who work to end violence and riots and division. God blesses those who work to bring healing to cultural wounds. God blesses those who refuse to hold other groups down or tear other groups down, but instead bring peace and unity. Now, I am not saying that there are not some pots that need to be stirred in our culture. I think there are. I think there are some pots that need to be looked at, some cultural issues that, that need to be examined. And Jesus was really good at stirring some pots. If you read the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you read those and read about the life of Jesus, you will recognize Jesus stirred his fair share of pots. 
But all of his posturing focused on his mission of leading people to eternal life. All of them. So our primary purpose should be to lead people to Jesus with every cultural issue that we look at. And and get this. This is the only thing you remember all day. Get this. People meeting Jesus is more important than any cultural issue we are passionate about. People meeting Jesus is more important than any cultural issue that we can be passionate about. And you might mentally be disagreeing with me. You might say, well, well, my issue is so important, like we have to solve this one. Like I'm not saying it's not an important issue. I'm just saying people meeting Jesus is way more important. And you might say, well, what about this issue? Like, I'm so passionate about this. If we could just fix this, it'll fix everything in our culture. No, it won't. You know who will? Jesus. People meeting Jesus is more important than any cultural issue we can ever be passionate about. And again, I know there are cultural issues that we need to look at. I get it. I understand it. But from an eternal perspective, the most important thing that we can ever do is lead people to Jesus. So again, number one, to engage our world. We've got to remember this is not our home. Number two, we've got to remember our mission. Number three, we've got to be peacemakers. And number four, don't condone or condemn people. Instead, speak the truth in love. So don't condemn or condone. Instead, speak the truth in love. And it's interesting that right now there is a huge debate going on in our culture about truth. There are some people who believe there's no such thing as truth. Truth is relative. There are even people who believe there's no such thing as absolute truth. And when I hear somebody say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is I wonder, are you absolutely sure about that? Because that's an absolute truth statement. If you say there is no such thing as truth, is that true? Can you know that? So we find ourselves chasing our tail. The reality is there is such a thing as truth. Jesus spoke about it. He said that we can know it. In John chapter 8, verse 31, he said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, if you are set free by truth, what are you held? That's the opposite of truth. You're held by lies. You're a prisoner of lies. And right now, I think there are millions of people in our world who are prisoners to lies. And those lies are leading them into a bad direction. So listen to what the Apostle Paul talks about that in 2 Thessalonians 2.10. Speaking about the end times, something that we talked about in in November. So if you're interested in the end time series, uh, go to our website, uh, look at our end time series that happened in November. It'll give you a little bit more information about that. But in the end times, Paul says this. He says, the enemy of God, a real being called Satan, Jesus talked about Satan. Jesus believed in Satan. Jesus actually created Satan, not as Satan, created him as Lucifer, one of the archangels. And Lucifer did not like his position. He wanted more. He wanted God's throne. And so he rebelled against God and got a name change from Lucifer to Satan. So Paul says about Satan, in the end time, Satan will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Again, right now, I believe there are millions of people who are believing lies and they are headed towards an eternal separation from the God who loves them in a real place called hell. We don't need to condemn those people. 
We don't need to condone those people. We need to set those people free with the truth that God loves them and Jesus died for them. They need to hear that. They need to see that lived out in our lives on a regular basis. So I wonder, are you attacking people with truth? Are you condoning people because you don't know what to do with God's truth? Or are you engaging our world with the only thing that can set people free? And that's the truth of God. Colossians 4, 5 says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. If you're a Christ follower, how are you doing at being gracious and attractive to people who don't share your faith? People at, at home, people at work, people at school. How are you doing at being gracious and attractive as you engage some of these hot topics around? And listen to what Jesus prayed in John 17. Praying to his heavenly father in verse 14, he said, I've given them your word, meaning his disciples, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Remember, this is not our home. Verse 15, he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. It's a reference to Satan. Again, Jesus believed in Satan as a real being. And in verse 16, he says, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So God's word also known as the Bible, is the truth that we need to share with other people. And if you're a Christ follower, I wonder, do you know it well enough to share it with others? Do you know it well enough to use it to engage some of these hot topics that are going around our culture right now? And I don't mean, do you have strong opinions about our hot topics? I mean, can you stand on biblical truth as you engage these hot topics? The reality is our world needs more of God's truth and less of our opinions. And so for that to happen, we've got to spend more time in God's truth, learning it and how to share it gracefully and in attractive ways with others around us. Now, if you're new to the Bible, I am uh, certain that you might look at it and, and say, wow, that is intimidating. How would I ever begin the Bible? And this is going to be the strangest advice ever. I don't recommend beginning in the beginning. Like, I don't recommend you pick up a Bible and start in Genesis. Why? Because by the time you get to the third book of the Bible, you'll be scratching your head. By the time you get to the fourth book of the, the Old Testament, you'll be using it to put yourself to sleep at night because it's called numbers, and you'll be counting things that you never thought you could count before. So I don't recommend you start in the beginning. Here's some things that I recommend. But before I talk about those specific things, the first thing that you can do is decide to learn the Bible. That's one of the biggest things that, that, that prevents us from learning the Bible is we just look at it and say, it, it's kind of difficult, it's kind of big, it's intimidating, I'm not sure where to begin, so, so what do I do? And we kind of hold it at a distance, but you really can learn truth. You can learn the truth of the Bible in a relatively short amount of time if you just decide, you know what, I'm gonna become a student of the Bible. I'm gonna learn it. You'll be amazed at what you can learn. And again, a short amount of time if you make that decision. So here's some things that can help you on that journey. So the first thing is this. Take our starting point small group environment. So we have a small group environment that we offer three times a year here. There's one going on right now uh, in uh, one of our services. Uh, there's another one that will be coming up at the end of the summer, which is not that far away. And I encourage you to take that. If you've never taken starting point, I highly recommend you invest eight weeks uh, of your life and taking that, you will hear the story of God and find your place 
in it. It's a great way to get the framework of scripture, just the overall picture of what the Bible is all about. And then the second thing I encourage you to do is take our 40 Days in the Word small group experience. So 40 Days in the Word will help you understand how the Bible's put together and how you can start digging through it. Now, before uh, we get to those things, if you're, if you're not able to, to check those out here in the real relative future, here's what I recommend. Come to church on a regular basis and take notes. You'd be amazed at what you can learn if you just take notes uh, while you are hearing God's truth being taught. And if you're new with this and you're, you're thinking like, I don't know that I can tolerate listening to the bald guy on a regular basis. Like, like if you're thinking that, we have some great churches in our community and, and tell me, I would love to get you connected with one of those churches. So find a church home and, and plant yourself in that church home for an extended period of time and learn God's truth. Take notes. Again, you can do old-fashioned paper and pen. I did that for many years. For many years of, of my life, I would take a notebook to church with me. Every time the, the Bible was being taught, I had a notebook, and I took notes. And I would, throughout the week, I would go back and review those notes. I would go back and look at all the Bible verses that we talked about on Sunday uh, to dive deeper in that. So that's a great way for, for us to grow and learn, to understand what is in scripture and how to navigate that stuff. And then another thing I recommend that you do is pick up our spiritual growth challenge. It's a one-page document that we make available each week. You can pick it up at our Connection Center. If you're watching online, you can download it from our social media websites, and you can take it to just dive deeper. It's got a Bible reading plan on it. It's got questions for, for yourself to reflect on or group discussion. There's some action items, some challenges for you to get active in how to apply what we're talking about in that day's message. So just pick up our Spiritual Growth Challenge and, and dive deeper in that, again, like, you can learn a lot if you just decide, I'm going to become a student of the Bible. Now, if you aren't new to the Bible, my question for you is, are you spending enough time in it to be able to navigate the complexities of this world? Are you spending enough time in Scripture? The cool thing about the Bible is it is God's thoughts captured in print for us. So if you ever wonder, like, I wonder what God thinks about that subject, there's a really good chance God has spoken on that subject. And you might push back and say, well, well, we got some weird issues going on today. We've got some brand new issues that have never been on the face of the earth before. Well, scripture tells us there's nothing new under the sun. We just kind of recycle all of our hot topics. And uh, it may take a new flavor, it may have a new uh, look to it, but even if God's word is not crystal clear on a subject, there are truth principles that we can apply to the subjects that we're navigating. It might take a little bit of digging, it might take a little bit of more reflection, more, more time uh, trying to figure out what God says through these truth principles, but I do think it's there for us to use. So are you navigating scripture? so that you can have that to stand on and not just our opinions. I think that's one of the greatest ways we can step in and speak truth to our culture. So again, to engage our world, we need to remember this world is not our home. Number two, remember our mission. Number three, be peacemakers. Number four, speak the truth in love. And then in John 17, verse 18, Jesus prays to his heavenly father and says, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. So if you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? You have been sent. You've been sent by God into the world. You haven't been sent into the world to attack it. Jesus said in uh, John three seventeen, 
which follows the most famous Bible verse of all time, John 3.16. In the next verse, which gets very little airtime, Jesus said, I came to the world not to judge the world, but to save it. So God has not sent us into the world to attack the world. He sent us into the world to engage the world. So we're not supposed to attack the world. We're not supposed to condone the world. We're supposed to engage the world with God's truth. We've been sent for that. And then Jesus continues his prayer in verse 19. He says, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made, be made holy by your truth. One of the primary ways that we can lead people to Jesus and remember our mission is by sacrificing for other people sacrificing something the way that, that Jesus has sacrificed for us. And so as we close today, our worship team is going to uh, close us in a final song that is going to help us remember that our lives need to be more about Jesus. And as we're singing this song, what I encourage you to do is to identify one person in your life that you know who doesn't know Jesus. Just uh, somebody, could be a friend, could be a family member, could be a coworker, uh, could be somebody at school. Just think of one person that you know who doesn't know Jesus. And then I want you to ask this question. What am I willing to sacrifice so that person might come to know Jesus? What am I willing to sacrifice? Remember, Jesus sacrificed for us. So what am I willing to sacrifice so someone else might come to know Jesus? So here's some examples. Are, are you willing to sacrifice your soapbox? That thing that you are so passionate about? And again, it may be a good thing to be passionate about. But are, are you willing to focus more on your primary mission than anything else? So that person might come to know Jesus? So are you willing to sacrifice? your soapbox. Are you willing to sacrifice some time? Time is a precious commodity and we're all so busy. Uh, if you ever come across somebody and ask them how they're doing and they don't say, I'm busy, life's crazy, trying to keep up with the pace, uh, you might want to check their pulse and see how they're doing. Like, that's how most of us answer. Time is a, a precious thing that we have. And most of us uh, don't feel like we have time to invest in anything else than what we have on our agenda for the day. And I think God is saying to us, you know, some of you need to sacrifice some time to invest in a neighbor. Sacrifice some time to spend with a coworker. Invest in that person so they can see God's love in action in your life. And maybe, hopefully, out of that, they might come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Are you willing to sacrifice some of your time? Are you willing to sacrifice your reputation Maybe in some of your circles, some of the hot topics have been going on and you have not engaged uh, because you don't want to get into the fray. And there can be wisdom in that in certain moments, um, but there may be moments where God is asking you to step in and speak truth and love so other people can learn how to wrestle with God's truth. So you're willing to sacrifice your reputation by speaking truth and love and maybe a hostile environment, an environment that doesn't really want to hear God's truth so that maybe someone at some point in their lives might come to know Jesus? What are you willing to sacrifice so somebody else can come to know Jesus? So I encourage you to think about that person and think about that question while we sing today. So if you will, let's pray together and then we'll sing. Lord, we are grateful 
that you have given us the truth of scripture that we can know. And Lord, we're grateful that we can explore that truth and watch it transform our lives and then watch it transform other people's lives. And Lord, I am grateful today when we've got so many crazy things going on in our culture, things going on in our world, that we can have the clarity of of what you did, Jesus, for us. You engaged us. You didn't come to attack us. You didn't come to condone us. You came to engage us for all of eternity. And you've asked us as your followers to do the same thing. So Lord, for those of us who've been attacking, may we put our swords down. For those of us who've been condoning, may we learn to speak the truth and love. Lord, may we navigate all the complexities of all these hot topics that are going on in our culture. May we learn to step into those things and bring peace and bring unity and remember our mission. Our mission is to lead people to Jesus because this is not our eternal home. We have a heavenly home and we want to take more people there. So for that to happen, like this song says, we've got to become more like Jesus. And Jesus, you sacrificed for that to happen in our lives. May we learn to sacrifice for other people as well. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen.